Hi there, I'm David Alexander MacDonald, and I'm your director for this particular piece. Which is, of course, A Midsummer Night's Dream Act 1, written by William Shakespeare. And uh, I, as I said, directed it, composed the music, and uh, even appeared in it in a small part making a complete fool of myself, or actually I should say, eventually making an ass of myself in it. Anyway, that's uh, for later. The music you're hearing is an original piece, and uh, it's one of a total of uh, four musical pieces in the production. Uh, quite often people will use music practically wall to wall in these, uh, in these shows. I tend to be a little bit um, conservative about that, which is, I suppose, unusual coming from the composer, but uh, quite frankly, a lot of the time it wouldn't fit. Fiona Thrail and... Uh, Philip Weber are just perfect in these roles of um, Theseus and Hippolyta. I just love listening to Philip. He's great. He really is great. Oh, I admit to having had certain um, fears about casting this production. Uh, it's one of the more uh, produced of, uh, of Shakespeare's plays. Uh, I mean, I must have listened to something like uh, eight other versions of this, and I've seen uh, four or five different productions of it. Anyway, uh, I'm happy to say that uh, I am delighted with the casting. It's just worked out perfectly. So, uh, if you... Go back and listen to the uh, track as Aegeus uh, comes in, and uh, Perry Whittle is just wonderful in this, just gruff. Anyway, if you listen when Aegeus and the others come in, um, you'll hear Aegeus coming in from one side, and the footsteps of the entire party coming in from the other, and uh, I just never quite got that fixed. <laughs> fixed a number of other things, but that's one thing that got by. So, uh, a goof. Maybe we'll... Um, okay, I'll, I'll fix it in the director's cut. Uh, just like taking out the wires in Blade Runner. The uh, setting for, uh, for, for this scene is actually... Theseus' palace, you know, the Ducal Palace in Athens. However, I thought, uh, given the various uh, elements, the tone of it, the um, uh, dialogue that goes on, that it should be set outdoors, hence the, uh, the, the bird symphony, uh, which took me forever to put together from uh, a whole collection of, of ambience and uh, wildlife tracks uh, and there's millions of <laughs> well let me put it this way 
there's birds being heard uh, in this scene that you would not find anywhere in Greece. Okay, now we have our Apollodi uh, starting up. And uh, she's being polite and reserved and uh, uh, just... Um, <laughs> and off she goes. <laughs> Ara was a really, really nice surprise. She gave me um, a number of takes, uh, taking different uh, approaches to, to the character. And uh, uh, some of those takes just uh, really caught me off guard. And they actually ended up being the ones that I used uh, later in the um, uh, later in the performance, later in the piece. And uh, uh, when uh, when she really gets going with the with the emotions and pouring forth, so to speak, it plays off against David Alt as Lysander uh, in just the right way because David is playing it uh, straight, and he sounds, as a result, sounds so baffled uh, at, at having this emotional storm <laughs> on his hands. Oh, and uh, the the result for me is just one of those, um, you know, one of those magical accidents, really, because uh, they, they just uh, just works uh, better than I could have imagined. And uh, it's a good argument for giving actors ahead and and just putting the pieces together afterwards. Oh, poor Demetrius Daniel Monson. Poor old Demetrius. And that's about, uh, about the only line that he gets in this act. But he does get more later. Uh, so, I think uh, <laughs> you'll enjoy the exchanges that are coming up. My love is more than his. My fortune's every way as fairly ranked, if not advantage, as Demetrius. David, David was, um, for me, a bit of a gimme choice on, on this one. And David was, uh, was, the, was the actor who came to mind for Lysander um, right from the beginning. And uh, as it turns out, he's, uh, he's done Lysander uh, for stage. So... He's uh, well familiar with the part and uh, has a good way of playing it. Anyway, uh, uh, listening through the, the various auditions, uh, David just kept coming out uh, head and shoulders, and um, well, I'm, very, I'm very pleased with the results. So. I'll say it again. Philip is just magnificent in this. Just magnificent. But then again, I mean, I'm, I'm pleased with, with no, pleased with everybody. No, <laughs> this even more fun to come. Demetrius and Aegeus go along. I must employ you in some business against our adoption. Ah, trucks. Three in the morning, and we've got trucks going by. Yes, I'm doing this at 3 a.m. and actually 3:27 a.m. Uh, drinking a cup of green tea, I'm probably going to wind up not being able to sleep at all. Uh, but I figured I'd get the commentary done without Jeffrey having to ask me. 
<laughs> Surprise, Jeff. Marie. Oh, almost shot myself there. Ah. Oh, David is is giving me a, a fairly traditional reading in, in this. And Ara is just, you know, turning on the waterworks and going for it. And uh, I, um, I, I, I love this. Um, this is uh, one of the few places that I've used music, as you can tell. Um, there's uh, a lute sample that you're hearing, bass lute in fact, I think. No, lute. Oh boy, now uh, my brain having fried, I now can't remember if it's a loot or a nude. Well, I think it's a loot. Anyway, uh, you know, that's uh, played completely extempore, uh, it's improvised, um, which counts for one bomb note that goes by pretty much unnoticed by everybody. And uh, it was played directly into the, uh, into the mix. Uh, rather than being recorded separately and then mixed in. Uh, so that allowed me to uh, uh, set it to, to follow what was going on in the, uh, uh, in, in the, in the scene. Which was, you know, it was fun to do it. Uh, the theme music, title music, um, was obviously done separately. And... Uh, that uses um, a very old harpsichord. I think it's from something like 1750. Uh, sampled, obviously. Uh, a bass lute, uh, for sure, on that one. Um, a small uh, bellows-powered organ. And... Um, uh, uh, and uh, Renaissance-era recorder. And um, that was put together in, in several passes. It actually didn't take that long. Uh, the, you know, the music came to me pretty quickly. And um, I think you know, most of it was spent in working out the harpsichord part. And then everything else was fitted to that. And uh, I like it a lot. The only problem is that it's extremely loud, so I had to drop the levels when I was recording the uh, intro piece. There was a suggestion on the intro to uh, do a proscenium arch kind of setup, where we would have had sounds of audience uh, coming in and sitting down and applauding and uh, so on, and then the announcement from the stage. But uh, I thought that was a bit too much, so passed on that idea. And here we have the entrance of Cat Pride. Uh, again, Cat came to mind as, uh, as, as Helena. Uh, and Cat, uh, I'm sorry, but <laughs> it really was uh, the association of Cat uh, plays perfect dingbats. And lo and behold, <laughs> no, he, she's playing a perfect uh, and highly energetic thing, but in this. 
I mean, I can visualize her in this part. Uh, and um, if you're wearing headphones or you have good speaker separation, when you play this, uh, listen after um, Hermia and uh, Lysander exit, uh, because you will uh, hear uh, Helena uh, stomping around, basically, uh, going from side to side. And uh, every, every so often the footsteps will go right across the stereo field with a voice and back again and until she finally exits. Uh, but uh, again, the lovely performance that uh, absolutely fits my, my visualization of, uh, of, of Helena as a character. Uh, so... <laughs> And here's Zara going uh, into the uh, uh, very quiet, snarky, sort of catty tone of voice. Helena, adieu. As you on him, Demetrius dote on you. And away Helena goes. Oh, poor Helena. Uh, she's so tormented, mostly by herself. And plans begin to form. And the thought flickens. I keep getting lost in, in listening to this monologue from her. And, Yep. Things begin to go wrong, huh? Uh, th this is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, uh, simply because it's so wacky. Very simple transition music, um, using a trommel and that's uh, kind of drum, and uh, another ancient recorder. I was actually helping Brashon, but I couldn't find one. Chris Pyle as Quince. Apparently, this is uh, his first um, audio drama performance, and he does a great job. I love the accent that he's using. Oh, and of course, as the very annoying bottom. That's me. I had originally thought of doing this with a Yorkshire accent. 
Uh, and then they might not have understood me, like. Anyway, uh, what I ended up with is sort of a bastard Somerset Cornish accent. Oh, and <laughs> not entirely sure of his spot location, but it certainly wasn't Athens. Uh, originally, the set uh, was going to have a little bit of music in the background, but it really got in the way, so that got dropped. Um, uh, what it does have is uh, uh, pretty much a, a muted pump background. There's, there are things going on in the back, but you won't hear much. And. Um, Oh, there's not not really that much in the way of other sound effects. So, um, uh, it's a fairly quiet scene, but of course that gives people plenty of room to uh, uh, to, to uh, handle the lines. What is this thing? A wandering knight? It is the lady that servants must love. Nay, nay, let me not play a woman. I have a beard coming. Oh, these are the mechanicals and will appear uh, throughout. They're not in Act 2, but uh, they're in Act 3 and onwards. And um, uh, they're, they're varying levels of idiot, basically. Um, they're going to put on a play and the play is at the end of the uh, of, of A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> Boy, is it painful. Anyway, uh, of a lot of them, Quince is probably the most intelligent and always trying to hold things together and of course Bottom being this complete ass uh, just keeps poking his, his head up and, uh, and opening his mouth and uh, pontificating uh, and <laughs> that, was a, that was a lot of fun to do uh, it was proposed at one point you uh, when this is uh, getting going. Uh, the reason I'm playing bottom is I was uh, set to play bottom in uh, a stage production of, of, of the play, which uh, fell through. And the falling through of the, of the stage version led to uh, led to me doing the uh, the audio version. Um, anyway, uh, I was proposed at one point that um, uh, that I play Oberon, which I almost did. Um, I read Oberon for uh, Melissa Tribble, who's um, who's playing Puck, but uh, in the finish decided to stick with Bottom because uh, it's a lot of fun to do this idiot. It really is. Uh, he tries way too hard. Oh, and um, uh, Chris threw in some very nice bits with uh, with with Quince uh, as, he, as he loses patience with uh, with Bottom's antics. Some of your French crowns have no hat all and then you play. <laughs> that laugh makes me uh, break up every time. Oh, 
It's definitely going to be uh, more and more fun yeah, with, with the next uh, next four acts. We will meet, and there we may rehearse most obscenely and courageously. Take pains before... Uh, the best laid plans of mice and men I gang after play. And here we are at the end. Uh, with a pretty... Bleh reading of the credits, I'm afraid. Including um, a peculiar dropout on one of my own credits, but... Oh well. This uh, piece of music is the Midsummer theme, and uh, actually repeats um, partway through, uh, because I uh, needed more space and I had music. Oops. Anyway, um, again, another simple piece. There's... Um, uh, a, 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 a voice sample for um, Chris Britton as uh, a drone and a harp and uh, that's all run through effects that just bounce things around and give it that big airy space ouch original music direction by David Alexander McDonald yeah, like yeah, like we did the credits of an awesome Wells film. Jeffrey Bridges. Uh, to find out more, not quite as bad as Robert Rodriguez yet, but uh, Anyway, enough. All the cut bowstrings. I'll see you next time. <laughs>